today's podcast where we're going to take a weekly trip through the Parsha and learn some parenting tips along the way. Um, I am your host, Sasha Clark, from www.sashaclark.com, and I am honored to be here with you. Listen, hey, I had a dream the other night that, um, I won't tell you about the dream, but I, I want to let you know that in the dream I felt a message from God just kind of encouraging me that I'm doing way too much of the promotion of my services in conjunction with these Torah podcasts. So from here forward, I um, definitely will um, let you know what where, where my website is, and you can certainly check it out if you're interested in learning more about me or what I do. Um, but this particular project is a, you know, it's a sacred space. It's, it's not, it's really meant as a gift to you, to myself. I mean, the journey is definitely helping me as in my own parenting, um, with my own children and also my students, my spiritual children, as well as reparenting my inner child. And so it's, it's a gift. It's not meant to be something that's attached to any kind of income. In fact, the sages say that you're not allowed to, you know, get paid to teach Torah to people, um, and uh, you know, I can get paid to teach Hebrew, but not Torah. So anyway, so if you uh, want to support my work, um, of course, you can go to my website and figure out for yourself how to do that. Um, but I don't think that I should be doing any kind of call to action um, on these podcasts from here forward. And I didn't create the podcast in order to do that. So I just publicly need to apologize for for any um, discomfort that I may have caused by doing that. And, um, and let's get on with this week's Parsha. Uh, this week's Parsha is Vayigash. And um, so la- at the end of last week's Torah reading, uh, Joseph was demanding that Benjamin stay back in Egypt. And we saw Judah like basically raise his hand and say, hey, um, choose me as the tribute. I-, I can't let my father go through this kind of suffering again. Um, and this, I believe, is the point in time when Joseph realizes that the f- brothers have really made complete teshuva. Like, so one of the, um, there's a f- couple of steps with teshuva. The f- first step um, is to recognize that we've done something wrong. The second step is, of course, to get r- make things right between us and God. So, um so whether that's just saying I'm sorry or going through some sort of journaling or prayer, spiritual experience. But the third step in teshuva is making things right with our fellow brother or our neighbor or whoever. So, for example, if if I stole $50 from my my brother, I, you know, and then I realized that what I did was wrong. Maybe I knew it was wrong to begin with, but I realized you know, the impact of my decision, decide to make teshuva. Then the second step would be to get right with God, apologize, sorry for, I, I caused a, pro- a problem. And then the third step, though, is to go give my brother his money back, right? So um, without that third step, we're really just apologizing. And I don't know if you've ever had somebody like hurt you and then say sorry, and then hurt you again, and then say sorry, and then hurt you again, and then say sorry. Um, I have, and you know what, uh, over time saying sorry kind of loses its meaning. And so teshuva, re- true repentance is not about saying I'm sorry. It's actually about correcting the behavior, um, and going, it's like a 180 degree turn away from the behavior. And so what we see here is not only Judah is 
of course, Judah, we learned in last week's Parsha that, that the brothers are not willing to leave to leave Simeon or anyone in slavery, right? Um, and so there's that's a half to Shuvah. That's like a 90-degree turn. But volunteering to be the slave instead of Benjamin is like the full teshuva. So um, the second in the second Aliyah, we see that... Um, basically Judah saying, when my father sees that the boy is gone, he basically is going to die of grief. This is not cool. So, um, and that I promised to return him unharmed. Um, and this is where Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. In the third Aaliyah, uh, Joseph directs his brothers to quickly return to Canaan and bring the, the whole family with, um, you know, Everybody in Egypt hears him crying, basically. So Pharaoh gets informed that Joseph's family is coming. The fourth Aaliyah, um, Jacob and his entire family, which we find out is 70 people, um, head to Egypt. And um, in the fifth Aaliyah, this, that we learn the 70 members, the names of the 70 members of Jacob's family that went down to Egypt. In the sixth Aaliyah, we have Jacob arriving in Egypt, and they end up settling in the land of Goshen that Pharaoh has allotted for his family. And um, they appear before Pharaoh and say that they're shepherds, just like Joseph coached them. Um, and then Jacob was brought before Pharaoh, and Jacob blesses Pharaoh, which is really interesting. It, it takes some quite a bit of humility to allow someone to bless you. And Pharaohs are not exceptionally known for being humble. So this is pretty remarkable um, that this Pharaoh allows a Hebrew to bless him. And you, and we notice, um, like in, in, um, alignment with the promise that was given to Abraham several parshiot ago that whoever, um, Jacob, whoever the Israel blesses is blessed. Right. And so we see that there's like peace in Egypt. Everything seems fine. Right. As long as Jacob and Joseph and, Pharaoh are all like getting along, right? Um, so, and we'll see, you know, in the a couple parsha parsha from now, that um, that when the Pharaoh forgets, you know, about Joseph, we start to have problems again. So, I think there's a. Um, I'm not sure if there's a lesson about anti-Semitism here. Um, I don't know, it, but it seems historically that that countries and people groups who allow Israel to do their job by blessing the being the spiritual blessing in the country um, seem to prosper and as soon as they start treating I mean look at Rome for example so look at Nazis Nazi Germany um, you know as soon as they start treating the Jews as if they're the problem the scourge then you know the country tends to fall apart also so I don't know if there's a spiritual axiom there or not. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, I That's kind of off script. Sorry. So in the seventh Aaliyah, Joseph um, supplies his family with food. Um, the rest of Egypt is in a desperate plight. Um, and this part I have, I've always had a check in my spirit about because um, Joseph ends up letting basically the whole country of Egypt sell their land to Pharaoh and put themselves in a position of servitude um, to Pharaoh in exchange for the, the provisions. And I, you know, that sounds exceedingly like um, 
communist Russia or something like that, where the government owns everything, you know. And I, I understand it was a time of, of famine, but um, I don't know. I'm not sure that that's that Joseph's decision at that point was aligned with Torah. So, um, but anyway, I digress. Um, okay, so the my parenting touch points this week. Um, at the end of um, this week's parsha, we're not quite there to the end of the story yet. We're not quite to the part where where um, where Jacob is going to bless Joseph's kids, and that's where the generational problem happen uh, problem stops. Also, we see a lot of teshuva happening in this parsha and in last week's parsha. Um, the other thing is that I'm not seeing a lot of God mentioned again in this parsha, and the question remains why. And again, we're entering a season, I believe, of the existence of Israel, where God is now letting Israel, meaning Jacob and his children, make decisions, and he is in the background guiding from the side. So um, <laughs> it's just interesting. It, like I said, we it, the Parsha, we set out to use God as the perfect template for parenting, and guiding from the side is a very difficult thing to do when your children are maybe making choices that you don't necessarily agree with. Now, in this case, Jacob was told by God that going to Egypt was indeed part of the plan and that he intended to have the the family of Israel settle there for quite a while. And then, you know, after 10 generations, I think he says, or 400 years, that he would take them back out of Egypt and help them settle in the land of Canaan again. So um, so Jacob knows that they're going in there and that there's a plan and that he is going in there with faith. So God is in the story. He's just, again, guiding from the side and helping Jacob and Joseph to know when to take a left turn, when to take a right turn. Um, one of the really cool coaching tips I just learned from a friend yesterday was like when we make mistakes, and I'm going to try this on my kids. When a, when one of them makes a mistake, she she's uses this with kids in soccer. And when they make a mistake on the field, she'll ask them, "If you could have that play back, what would you have done differently?" And she says that puts them in a problem solving mode, and they don't ha- you know they don't stand there on the sidelines and answer her. It's a rhetorical question, but it puts their brain thinking more about the game and solving the problem that they were struggling with, than rehearsing the problem over and over in their mind. So if you could have you know I, that's my challenge for this week. Uh, I want to use that question with my parent my my parenting practice with my children, and my challenge for my listeners is is to ask you if you could have that play back, whichever mistake you made this week, if you could have that play back, what would you have done differently? Uh, something else I want to talk about. Um, and I invite you to head over to my um, human design newsletter to, uh, to, to read about this. Um, I have a, a new, an email this week. I wanted to, I'm, I'm putting together about joy. And one of the uh, beautiful things about joy is that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not, A long time ago in my spiritual journey, I thought that joy was like a random occurrence, that happiness is, you know, obviously easier to achieve, but that joy was a random occurrence that happened, you know, at special moments um, and that there was that I had no control over when it happened. And I still believe I have no real control over when it happened. To me, joy is like a deep happiness that's more of a spiritual experience. It's kind of transcends happiness. 
And so I have gathered my thoughts finally about what it takes to cultivate a lifestyle or an environment that is conducive to more joy. And I'm bringing that up because, well, we just left um, the season of joy for some cultures and and religions. And I'm also bringing it up because um, from here through the through tax season, actually, many people actually really struggle with seasonal depression and really just an absence of joy in their life. So I just invite you to go over and look at that and see if there's any part of those spiritual practices that you also maybe could gently incorporate into your life to help protect you from, you know, that sad feeling that happens, the letdown after the holidays. So um, may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you richly with joy, wisdom, and understanding. Until next time, shalom.